It's the Redirect Podcast. Search industry research, discussion, and analysis from the Black Truck Media and Marketing Headquarters. And now, redirecting you to the Black Truck Team. Welcome to episode 54 of the Redirect Podcast. It's Friday, August 17th, 2018. I'm Jason Dodge, founder of Black Truck Media and Marketing. Joined this week by Patrick from the Black Truck team. Hey, Patrick. Hey, what's going on? It's Friday, Friday. Another redirect podcast, another week down. Another it's raining. Week. It's raining here in the Midwest. Drizzly. We need it, though. Yeah. We desperately need it, as do uh, our friends out west, too. So uh, if I could send the rain that way, I would do that. So uh, not as much craziness like hair hair right people running around with their hair on fire this week I, th- I feel in the in the world of search uh definitely some some changes uh you know within google there's the political ad transparency report that is out uh we'll link to that in the show notes i actually did not have an opportunity to read into that too much um into some other uh there are some other rollouts of featured snippets and things of that nature, some more volatility there too. So, but I'm gonna look at you, Pat, to jump in first before I go down another rabbit hole. Sure. Yeah, I want to talk about something I saw running around the interwebs outside of the search world cool. earlier in the week. Uh, it's kind of interesting to see when stuff that we deal with daily mm-hmm. festers into the mainstream news, mm-hmm. uh, and something popped up that. I kind of always knew, and it's just no brainer. But it's you know it's in, inside industry stuff that we we don't think twice about. And that's uh, your phone's tracking your movements. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. There is a big the AP put out an article um, on the thirteenth about uh, it came to light that Google is tracking your phone even if you tell it to not track your phone. Shocker. And didn't Amazon get hit with some things too recently on Alexa? Uh, listening i think so yeah that that was recording your and you can't and you yeah i can go in right now and pull my alexa file and and you could hear everything i've ever asked it to it's kind of creepy that's great um but so here with the different types of uh, optimizing and google my business and taking Google search into Google Maps, where I was aware of timeline tracking. I think we discussed that even a year ago. I think when we uh, had a, uh, it was Boston. I think we were, we were in Boston. Search like Boston in yeah. 2017. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. year is it? And, and we could, we learned that you could activate a device and or a switch on your phone and, and you can get a timeline of everywhere you've been. Yeah. And a lot, it, it's opt out to begin with the default is off and you have to go in and turn it on um but that that data is there it, the data is already there yeah, yeah you turn it on and yeah. it shows up because right? that happened to me that was yeah. it was the experience was uh i think it was to kind of to provide a little bit of backstory there was um we had a crazy um run of events in boston we could even link to that podcast because <laughs> i think that goes back to almost uh one of the first podcasts we yeah released. it was in the beginning and it was um all about local search in this really tiny restaurant that we went to, really great, fantastic restaurant that resulted in a cash-only deal. Nobody had cash on them, so I kind of crisscrossed the city trying to figure out how to get there and back and multiple Uber rides. And um, and then Dana Tomaso from Kickpoint was presenting and talking about the concepts of tracking 
and uh, what Google can track or doesn't track. And I enabled that feature mm-hmm. on my phone that day. I turned it on. And here's all this historical data about where right. I had been in the city over the past 48 hours. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, so the big, I'm doing air quotes here, news was that Google is tracking you regardless if you like it or not. And I see headlines like that and I kind of giggle sometimes because <laughs> that's what makes the internet better. Ultimately, at the end of the day, people will complain about um, privacy, but things like this is what makes the technology we have catered to us better. Uh, The the big deal here is that um, it's other apps and other items inside your phone are all kind of working in conjunction to give you the data. So like you're getting... um, remarketed a certain type of ads if you're located in different Mm -hmm. spots or... um, you take a, if you ask the weather, it will ping where you are, and that gets stored in your weather app. Lots of different ways for that timeline to track who you are, where you are, and what you're doing. So without what you're saying is, if I'm reading through this, or maybe I'm reading yeah. too far into it, is that without even having the opt-in turned right. on for Google, right? There are other apps on your phone that are using things like your your geolocation and yeah. your GPS. Yeah. To pull that data in that Google easily can say, well, since we integrate with these other apps, we still know where you're at. Yeah, every single photo you've taken on your iPhone has a Latin long stored in it, in the Mm -hmm. metadata. Mm -hmm. Uh, And has been ever since, well, almost ever since the the beginning of digital Right, right. And so that that opt-out is simply just to turn the timeline off. Ah, And um, uh, what you just discussed is cross-app communication. Okay. So the apps work together to tell each other different things, what's going mm-hmm. on to optimize the best experience for you. And it will, um, it, it makes your phone move faster. You know, instead of having to, it, it goes, looks at cache, cache data every time mm-hmm. and accumulates it all together and puts it in one spot so it doesn't have to do it. Uh, what this is called, um, if you need to turn it off, is web and, act, web and app activity, which isn't your location history. So if you turn off your location history, web and app activity, which is defaulted as on in your Google tools mm-hmm. or your Google phone, mm-hmm. will automatically be tracking all of that stuff. You have the option to go in there and then turn off the web and app activity. However, your user experience will greatly suffer. And that's, in my opinion, I don't mind this one. And... Um, it's a, it's a marketing tool for us here, you know, to optimize the best experience, and we can take advantage of that, and that's what us as digital marketers uh, hone in on to try to take advantage of to give you the better experience. Do we know the accuracy level? I had read somewhere it was around, like, um, was it 15 meters, so forty-five a radius of 45 feet in terms of the accuracy of Google's GPS. Do we I've know? Feet. I've, this article states feet. Does it? Yeah. How, and, how uh, close do you remember? Let me dig through here. Because I, I, I would say that that's, in terms of, uh, to your point exactly, I don't, they're, look, they're tracking me. And, and I think that you're naive to think that uh, you, other listeners, you know, you're naive to think that others aren't, you, that you're not being tracked. Mm-hmm. And the reason that you're getting served the ads that you are, are based off of advanced remarketing, retargeting tactics, um, location uh, devices, uh, Things of that nature, I, I think, 
completely 100% agree. You know, that's why you're getting targeted. And I don't think, I think if done for ethical reasons, meaning meaning upstanding advertisers, right? I don't see that as being uh, a bad thing, especially if you can tailor it more toward my needs, wants, and a location yeah. I'm in. Right. If I'm, if right. I'm interested in pizza, you're not going to show me um, a local Mexican restaurant. Right. Right. Yeah. So yeah, there's, there's good, there's good and bad with all of it. And there's the good eggs and the bad eggs and the bad eggs are what, uh, usually have the loudest voice, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. But you know, it's not, it's not new. This isn't news in my eyes. It's just one guy who had a voice discovered this, put the dots together and then wrote an article about it, basically. Yeah. He, they, did this, they did a study with Princeton Research Labs, um, and they verified that, yeah, you're getting tracked. Was, well, no kidding. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's called the internet. Yep. And who ca- um, I'd be curious to know of consumers, the, like, what's their confidence level? Do they care? Yeah. Like, most of them, I don't think most of them care if it's providing them with a better experience. Right. If it's not providing you with a good experience and it's just spammy, then you're going to care. Yeah. But you're using it, it the it's so fluid and seamless. Mm-hmm. Most consumers don't even realize or understand it's happening. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. it's working how it's supposed to. Yep. When you turn those features off on your phone, you will find yourself with a brick. Yeah. It's just, it it basically like not having cell service. So I'm, I'm anxious with some of these uh, location, we'll call them location-dependent apps and add-ons and things mm-hmm. um, in the ever-growing field of Internet of Things. Um, recently, I purchased the Blink, uh, the Amazon Blink, which is Amazon's, uh, Amazon-acquired Blink, which is the wireless security camera uh, system. I've been toying around with the idea of, ah, I, I want to play with it. That's really what it is. When it comes down to like all of the quasi home automation type things and home assistant devices out there, I, I'm, I'm very curious about um, how I can utilize the camera side of things and integrate it with, with the various home apps and stuff. So there's a lot of things you can do with that system through if this, then that. One of them is it turns the system on or arms it, if you will. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, a false word to use. It's not really a security system. It's a camera system. But when you leave the house, mm. it automatically does it. So it's all based off of proximity. Yeah. So that's why I asked the question about like, well, how does it really know? Like this thing's really not going to turn on until I hit the end of my driveway or, right. you know, how does it know when I'm gone? Maybe Bluetooth. When that's, that's Bluetooth it. Right. Bluetooth breaks. beacon. Yeah. 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 So that, that's another question yeah. too is, is that if you, what are the advantages for digital marketers with the increase in geo tracking right is you know uh, if you're running PPC campaigns and you have it tied into Google My Business for your location extensions you know if you are have one location if you have many locations to be able to if I'm in one metro area serve up the different let let Google serve up the different locations in my ad that's closest to me and that user can be tracked all the way down to the store level. Mm-hmm. Now, if you go as far as having Bluetooth beacons and things like that installed and integrated in your point of sale, yes, you could track it all the way down to right. the purchase. Most people aren't gonna aren't gonna do that. 
Um, that's where that geo software, I think, lacks is the integration side of it. Yeah. Right. So they're um, communicating, and you know, and yes, but like the machine learning and this whole conversation everywhere about machine learning and automation, it all plays on all of the stuff we're discussing right. right now. Right. You take away the web and app activity. You take away uh, your ability to drive away from your home and have your security, your camera system turn on. Right. You take away all that and machine learning and automation dies. Well, in the, in the discussions we've had before even, uh, I think this must have been a few episodes ago, uh, a number of episodes ago, we talked about, um, okay, you know, how is this good for local search? For mm-hmm. So when we discuss local SEO, well, the reasons in the local pack or in the knowledge panel for a location, when it says what time that location is the busiest, that's all primarily based off of, I call it in-pocket data, <laughs> is that phone's in your pocket and you're there. Yeah. Um, and the accuracy increases if you use Google Maps and navigate to that location as well. So like the more you do that from home or from office or whatever, mm-hmm. the more Google picks up on that. The more Google knows that, that's a signal. Yeah. There's a reason that they ask you, how was your experience in yeah. Google Map? Because they want to know, was it accurate or not? My phone has told me before that I should leave for work because traffic is picking up. Totally, yeah. Yeah, yeah. mine tells me yeah. I just updated. Um, I have a Pixel, Pat, you have an uh, iPhone, and I just went through the latest update, and one of the big pushes was more AI-type influences mm-hmm. in into the phone, right. which is a little scary at first um, because it's supposed to predict what um, maybe more apps you're using more frequently, yeah. locations, everything. Um, but yeah, it's it's been doing it probably for the past couple of months. It's telling me, um, you know, whether or not I'm going to have an average drive time to the office uh, or not, regardless of am I going to the office today? Yeah. Or not. Right. I will tell you it does not do that to me on Saturdays and Sundays, though. Mm. So it knows. Awesome. Mm. So we'll link to that? Yeah. What was the article from? That you, uh, well, I mean, I it know was, it had all been all, all It was shared out from the AP, but the business or the sort resource was Business Insider. Oh, okay. Cool. Cool. Um, so switching gears, I want to talk about um, more along the lines, a little bit detailed on site performance, which is not... That's something we've talked about yep. before. But I want to talk about how site performance can influence SEO and users. I just was following up on that today about uh, PageSpeed Insights. Yep, yep. So a lot more on PageSpeed Insights, so certainly kick in. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, the, the notion is, is that we are an in-demand or on-demand society. So um, wherever you're at, whatever device you have, you can access most anything you want, whether it's streaming video, Amazon, you know, we're programmed to go to search for questions and answers, that type of thing. Um, and we also know that a goldfish has a better attention span than you and I do. Did you say something? Yeah, right. <laughs> so um, we are um, we get frustrated as mm-hmm. users. Mm-hmm. And since about 2010, Google has used site speed as a ranking factor. And last month, July, um, they announced the use of PageSpeed for mobile search rankings. So that's going to get into a little bit of what you talked about. And we know that as the Google Speed update Mm -hmm. um, as that one. And this all kind of follows the whole mobile-first index, etc. 
you know, we have followed it quite closely from an SEO perspective. Um, but I think there's a lot of marketers that are like, well, why is this important? The important factor is from the distractedness or the um, lack of attention span is that if a person visits your site from Google search and they don't like what they see, the page doesn't load, etc., they're going to immediately hit the back button. Uh, in that case, we might call that a hard bounce. Mm-hmm. And that what ends up happening is over time, Google's going to remember that. And if that continues to happen, Google will push you down lower on the list. Um, so person's frustrated, Google remembers it, and next thing you know, you're off of, you're off of page one. So let's talk about site speed and things that, that people can do and, and things that can hold a site mm-hmm. back. So um, I want to talk about common issues. Some of these are ones that we've talked about before, the big one being images, and we'll get to there because I know that's, Pat, that's like one of your favorite ones to pick on. Um, before you can take action on your site, you need to get a baseline and understand, okay, where, where does my site live in this realm of performance, air quotes performance? Um, so basically, you know, I think you can look at, um, do you want to, you need to understand, do you want to do it from, I have pages within my site that are performing poorly or my entire site is performing mm-hmm. poorly? You know, define what you want to do. So you can run an entire site through um, or you can run pages through. In most cases, people, when you're running things through like Google Page Speed Insights or webpagetest.org, that's page level. A lot of people think that that's domain level and it's that's not. You're not getting an aggregate of the domain. That's page level. So you need to identify popular pages. Um, maybe look at something as simple as page views and, and grab the top five as your baseline mm-hmm. and plug those in and see what you get get kicked back. Look right. for the common uh, low-hanging fruit that, that we see all the time. And so the biggest ones are um, images. Yep. And what's, I mean, what's the biggest, the biggest issue with images? File size, right? Yeah, file size far and away. And not, but not, um, how do I want to define it? Not um, dimension. Right. Um, actual physical right. file size. Yes. Uh, dots per inch, if you look at, think about right. it. Right, yeah, like you think about it in the resolution world, yeah. right? Think about like a resolution. So if, if you're, let's say you your web page is 920 pixels wide, which mm-hmm. is fairly standard, um, and you want to put a high resolution image in there, well, it doesn't need to be wider than 920 pixels. True. Okay, and then secondly, your your web page is displayed in 72 dots per inch. So if you put something in there that's 3,000 pixels wide, which is kind of standard for mm-hmm. medium res file, um, it's also probably going to be 300 or 240 dots per inch. So it's exponentially larger. That can create a 15 megabyte image. Yeah. Okay. You set that up to, let's say it's like a banner image at the top. It's mm-hmm. 920 pixels wide by okay. maybe 40 pixels tall. If you make it 72 DPI, you're talking kilobytes, not megabytes. Yeah. And that's going to drastically increase the speed at which that page can load. Well, and I think, too, you know, if you are a site owner, operator, marketer, you're using WordPress, a lot of times it's commonplace to use... You know, WordPress allows you to resize an image within. Um, best practice, if you want to follow these guidelines, would be to not use that. We're yeah. talking about images because if you'll insert it, if you say you have an image and you insert it in a post, 
you need to take a look at, well, where else was that image used? Because if it's a big image that was used in a hero, like what we call a hero image or a featured shot, and then you're inserting it as like a 300 by 500 hypothetical numbers, um, that's an option to say, ooh, I want it medium size. The problem with that is, is that the browser still has to load the yeah. full-size image. Yeah, the image is still stored in, in, in your the, server. In the background. Right, right. Not the small image that it makes the call for. Right, it's still up there. In fact, you might be adding more because <laughs> now you have the large file. Right. You also have the small file right. that the browser right. created. Uh, another element I should have stated is uh, it doesn't have to be a .jpg. Make it a .png. Mm, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. it, it will also then decrease the file size dramatically right. as well. And unvisible to the naked eye, will you will you be able to tell? Yep. Not yeah. I mean, even the new a, a new 4K monitor. Sorry, you can, people can geek out all they want on this whole thing, but um, you're not you're not gonna notice it. You're nope. not going to notice it. Not to mention the majority of your users are probably on a mobile device anyway, so that screen does not have the resolution at <laughs> right. all of your, of your desktop. Um, so two other things, browser caching and minifying resources. So browser, ca- browser caching, right, when we have most sites anymore database-driven, there's a push and pull of data from all different sources. In the majority of your pages, there is probably a good series of static content that's going to be loaded on every single page. It could be anything like a Google Analytics tag to the stuff, most of the time it's it's the heavy stuff that lives up in the header and in the footer, things like that, mm-hmm. depending on how your template's structured. Okay, if you don't have browser caching installed or set up, those elements have to load every single page. So with browser caching, what ends up happening is, is that the only the most, what I call the most important content, like the true unique content to that page, mm-hmm. will then have to load. Words on the page, images on that page that are you know, unique to that product, service, blog post. Um, so instead of having those elements reload on every single page, we can greatly increase the speed. Now there's also questions that can come up around, um, you know, uh, I guess... You know, this is browser caching that we're talking about, and there's questions that have come up about, well, what about server-side caching or content delivery networks or CDN? So uh, basically you, you offload things like images and certain elements of content elsewhere so that they don't, um, they don't negatively impact those page loads. Right. Um, I think the problem there is a lot of it is the unknown. There's nothing wrong with CDNs if they're set up properly um, by the proper person. But getting to the next piece here of minifying resources, so JavaScript, HTML, CSS, um, a lot of that code is redundant. Uh, It can be optimized or removed, shortened up. Those resources... Um, create, in a lot of cases, code bloat, uh, JavaScript, JavaScript menus, things of that nature that just can't even be crawled or navigated by Google search can hold a site back tremendously. So a CDN isn't going to fix poor code. We need to keep that in mind. But these are things, these are typically, those are three areas of low-hanging fruit to like go and look and see what do we have going on in those pages right. and what's kicking up. Uh, the image side, I think, is, a, is a, such a quick win for, for so yeah. many people. I mean, yeah. I think... We've seen 40, 40 to 80% in a lot of cases of, 
of reduction in in the bytes of data used mm-hmm. to to load. So, um, if I was interpreting some of that, uh, going back to the caching, if I was yeah. uh, interpreting some of that properly, correct me if I'm wrong here. You can set up a timeline on when it should cache, uh, and it's going to be dependent upon maybe the type of site you're if you're correct. using. If you're a site that has data refresh often you should create your cache window maybe a little shorter mm-hmm. so you can get fresh data in it. If you're a site that rarely will change, then you can set your cache to be longer. It's a great point. Yep, yep. So adjusting those parameters based on, you can't yeah. just set it and forget it. Like you can't right. just deploy and be like, ooh, it's, it's working because yeah. you could be messing up other things down right. the line. Yeah, so. that was the the, the bloatware, the, all the extra code in there. It, you mm-hmm. can't just go in and start deleting stuff. We've all, on this end of the business, broken sites at right. 4 o'clock on a Friday <laughs> and ended up staying until 10 to try okay. to get it figured out. Yep. So pro tip is yeah. know what you're doing there and never launch a site on a Friday. <laughs> um, awesome. Cool. So that, well, that, was, that was really what I had to share there. Um, you know, is really think about that is that is probably one of the key areas that you know outside of content and 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 keywords let's say um i'm not even going to talk about links from an seo perspective at this point is what are you doing from a site performance perspective how is that thing performing on the surface and how's it performing uh what i call under the hood right and, and just like a, a mechanic for your car, you need to dig in, you need to diagnose and see what's there and what's not and really understand how does that impact um, your users because how it impacts your users can certainly positively or negatively impact uh, search engines too. So. And how often are you checking too? That's a great, I mean, that's a great point. I would think that at absolutely at any major like a crossroad, if you were doing any kind of major updates, right. you would want to check. Yeah. Uh, you would want to check before and after. You know, if your goal was, okay, we're going to optimize images, you need to run back through that yep. series of baselines. Catch your baselines. Yeah. Also, I think another good idea is when WordPress will push a new edition. Oh, that yeah. You that's know, really it's, great. It's, it's out of your control when WordPress forces an update version 5.2 or something like that. Yeah, keep tabs on things like version versioning controls. So if WordPress pushes an update, if a plugin updates, if you have a series of plugins that get updated or add-ons or mm-hmm. modules, depending on the CMS you're in, um, look to see how those can positively or negatively yeah. affect it. Um, if you start to see things fluctuate within your traffic and, your, and what your data is telling you to um, start to start to run some reports and see what's what's yeah. there, what's not. And if you have a series of those core pages that you're really trying to improve the usability of and and potentially rank and traffic through those, um, I I absolutely would probably be looking them on a regular, not a weekly basis, but certainly probably more like a monthly. I mean, these tests don't take that long to run. Right. Um, so document and, and see what you can... Yeah, minutes. The tests are minutes or less. Correct. Yeah. Correct. But then let's go and look at things like, uh, what did that improve? Yeah. Did it improve, um, you know, time on site, bounce rate, things like that, kind of those top level metrics. Did it impact or improve... Uh, where you're at in rank and relevance. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, it, th- those are those are long-term results from that too. Correct. You know, like these these page speed testings are instant results. However, in the broad picture, the big picture, it might be months before you see Correct. active results from yeah. this. So do the work now, get the instant feedback, mm-hmm. and then 
wait and watch. And, and we know Google wait. is Google's moving a lot faster with those. Well, we, we you know I might call it a re-index, but Google's moving a lot faster with those recrawls. Mm-hmm. Uh, not quite instantaneously, but um, you know I, I would say inside of a week you should start to see. Uh, some data and suggestions come yeah. through. So, right. um, and more and more, that is starting to be a little bit cl- more closely integrated in like Search Console, and mm-hmm. Search Console, and stuff too. So, um, not saying you should rely strictly on Search Console data, but definitely uh, keep an eye on it. So, good things to uh, keep an eye on. So, yeah. your phone is always tracking you. Yep. Your mobile device is always tracking you. And uh, playing along that mobile line too. What are you doing to make sure that your site? Um, continues to perform its best. So, cool. Thanks for sharing. Thank you. All right. Until next time, good luck. This has been the Redirect Podcast. Check out the show notes at blacktruckmedia.com and add us on iTunes and Stitcher.